reading is in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Amen. Thank you, Ruth. Good morning, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Ailey Proudfoot. I'm a member here at P's and G's, and I'm also an ordinand with the Scottish Episcopal Church. I'm just going into my second year of training, so it's good to see um, so many of you this morning. I'd like to begin uh, with a question. It's possibly quite random, but we'll give it a go. I wonder how many of us in this room uh, can do a cartwheel. <laughs> I've recently been watching a lot of gymnastics with um, the Commonwealth Games uh, and the European Championships, and I'm talking like a proper two legs in the air straight, beautifully landing cartwheel. And I'm sensing by a few of the smirks and looks that not many of us can do that, and I'm not going to ask anybody to demonstrate uh, their attempts either. It is a bizarre question, <laughs> but I wonder if we were going to learn how to do a cartwheel, how would we go about that? So would we read some books about gymnastics? Would we watch hours of footage of gymnasts doing cartwheels? Would we go and chat to a coach? Would we maybe speak to a gymnast that we know? All of these things might be options, but there surely must come a time when we just need to stop doing all the research and we need to just get on the mat and start trying some cartwheels. Foolish though we might feel. And the point I'm trying to make is that some things to learn, we just need to do. We can try and learn all the stuff about it, but sometimes there are some things we just need to get on and do. Get on the mat and start trying. Yes. <laughs> the Gospel of Mark shows Jesus as somebody who's always on the move. Verse 16 that we read there, as Jesus walked, and then on to verse 19, when he had gone a little further. He's always going somewhere. Follow me, Jesus says. He's not stopping. Justin Welby, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury, recently said that the church is always on the move. And that seems like a really obvious thing, but I don't think I've thought about that before. It's always on the move. And here is my tenuous link with cartwheels. We would love to learn all the stuff about cartwheels before we get on the mat and start possibly making a fool of ourselves trying to do cartwheels. We would love to take the time to do that. And as a church, we would love to just press pause somehow and learn all the things and know all the stuff before we get on with the business of actually being the church and doing what the church does. 
but it doesn't really work like that because life is always moving. It's always on the move. And the kingdom of God is always moving as well. The work of God is always on the go. So this passage is reassuring in a way because it demonstrates that God is not looking for perfect people to come and execute his perfect three-step plan once they're all fully trained and know all the things. His invitation is really quite simple. Follow me. Stay close to me. Learn from me. We're going to do this as we go along in relationship. So today with this passage, we're going to split it into two sections, really. The first is the message that Jesus brings, and the second is the team that he selects. So the message and the team. And the message in verse 14 is referred to as good news. It is the good news. And the thing about this good news is that it's now. Now is the time. In verse 15, it says, the time has come. Jesus comes to Galilee and he starts proclaiming the good news. And what is this good news? Well, it's that the kingdom of God has come near, it says. And this kingdom, unlike earthly kingdoms, it doesn't have a geographical territory. This kingdom is the activity of God among people, the activity of God among people. And that activity has arrived in the person of Jesus. In Jesus, God became human, fully alive with all the joy and drama that that brings. John 1.14, it famously says, the word became flesh. And as people in the flesh, we know that that can be messy. And Jesus was active in the mess. So as Christians, we're not sitting around waiting for heaven. We are in the world. We are in the mess. We are involved in what God is already doing with his kingdom. And then living by the Holy Spirit, we're trying to find out where God is already at work. And we want to get involved in that mess. As messy as we are, we want to get involved with his kingdom wherever it is. We want to join in in what God is already doing. C.S. Lewis, I'm a big fan, and I find he's got a quote for most things, and he has not let me down today either. He's very eloquent in, in saying this. To have faith, I don't know if you can all see that, it's quite small. To have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. Not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already inside you. That first faint gleam of heaven. I like that. And that's the Holy Spirit inside us, living in us, drawing us towards God and towards his kingdom, compelling us to live out our part in God's kingdom. Jesus said that he came to, that we might have life and have it to the full. He knows, Jesus knows what it is to be alive in the mess, and the message that he brings is one of life. I wonder if when we're given good news by a friend, you'll see some faces just now, 
when we're giving good news, a response is required of us. It would be a bit strange if somebody came and gave you some great news and you sat. Nothing. No verbal response, no facial response. That would be a bit strange. We don't do that. We nod, we smile, we say some encouraging things, usually, when we get some good news. A response has been given. And so, too, the good news of the kingdom of God merits a response from us as well. Jesus says, repent and believe. These are the responses, repent and believe. There is a head response, repent, and a heart response, believe. Perhaps there are things that we've committed to in the past uh, with just our head. Now, most obviously, we'd be like a New Year resolution type thing, you know, something I'm going to get much better in the new year. And with our heads, we know that that's a really great thing. We think, yes, this is going to be good for us. I know exactly what I have to do. I know how to do it engaged. Excellent. But then after two hours, two days, two weeks, kind of fizzles out because our hearts have probably not been invested and engaged in it. We've just committed with our heads. Equally, there might be things that we have gone full throttle into with just our hearts, without thinking practically with our heads. Do I have time for this? Do I have money for this? Will this work? Do I have the skill for this? Head and heart. In Jesus' call, in his kingdom, he is asking us to engage with our heads and our hearts. He's asking his disciples to follow with their heads and their hearts. Firstly, with their heads to repent, to turn away from sin. That's really where we're going with repent. You're turning away from sin. So all that previous stuff, you're turning away from that. And that involves with our heads. We might have to give that some conscious thought. Audit our lifestyle, maybe. Make some costly decisions, perhaps. What am I watching? What am I reading? How do I spend my time, my money? Where are my priorities? Is my life moving in a Godward direction? But then also that second response to believe, which engages the heart. And I wonder, have we allowed ourselves to be wooed by the person of Jesus? In order to love someone, we need to know something of them. In order to love Jesus, to believe in Jesus, we need to know something of him. Are we encountering Jesus in our Bible with our church family? One writer um, said that it is in prayer that the initial yes we give to Jesus is upheld. That's how it's kept alive, that initial yes. And I wonder, do we pray? <laughs> How is our prayer life? Our relationships with people deepen in conversation. And the same is true of our relationship with God. Are we praying with him? And it's a cyclical thing. It's as we believe in God and his good news that we're given the ability, the strength to repent. They go together, head, heart, repent and believe. So that's the message then. The good news of God is now. Jesus is bringing in God's kingdom and we are invited to be involved. Having experienced that first 
faint gleam of heaven, we can be that first faint gleam of heaven to the world around us as we respond with our heads and our hearts. On to the team then. Um, I wonder if I can take you back to school days. Uh, maybe you're still enduring those, but in the gym hall and your PE teacher, I don't know, you're maybe playing football, volleyball, some team sport, and your teacher says, okay, you and you are gonna pick teams this week. You go, yeah, it's my turn to pick a team. So your whole class lines up against the wall. This might be triggering some of you who were kept at that wall until the last person was chosen. I've been there too. Um, so, and then the two people will say, I pick you. Then the next person, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you. And when it was your lucky day and you were getting to choose your team, I wonder what your strategy was. Do you pick your pals first so that you can just chat to them instead of playing properly? Do you pick those that, do you forget your pals, ditch them quickly, you want the fastest people on your team? Depending on the game, you might look for the most skillful people or the strongest people or the tallest people. I wonder what your strategy was. And as I look at Jesus picking his team, I am really curious about his strategy because as Jesus so often does, he throws in a bit of a curveball. He's chosen these people personally. They're not random volunteers. They are men with a past and a future. But you see, these men, they have no great titles to their name. Um, they're fishermen. So we know they have nets. They've been able to afford, they have the means to buy nets. And we know they have a boat. Now, they might have had the use of the boat. They might have purchased the boat. So they're kind of, they're businessmen, they're fishermen. Now, that's a kind of a ordinary job. It's nothing remarkable. These men were just unremarkable. They did a good job. It was a standard job for their day unremarkable, but they also proved to be quite unreliable. You can read about these men in the Gospels, in the other Gospels, and it's really interesting to do that because the first uh, man that's chosen is Simon, and he has been given the name Peter um, by Jesus. He's the first to be called, and some of us will know a bit about Peter. He's quite famous, and he has form. He's the one who denies Jesus three times. That's probably what he's almost most famous for. He's famous for lots of things. But time and again, he just doesn't seem to get it right. He doesn't seem to understand what Jesus is doing and how he's doing it. He gets it wrong on so many occasions. And then there's Andrew. And this guy, he's quite quiet. He can be a bit overshadowed. He's not the kind of person you would pick if you were going to get your message out. And then moving on in verses 19 and 20, he finds James and John, brothers. And these are men, again, you can read about these men in the Gospels. They were pretty wild and ambitious. Lots of bickering. It's there in the Gospels if you'd like to read about them. But suffice to say, if I was picking a team, I'm not sure I would pick these men to join me. Another thing is, when we're reading this story, we might think that um, when they heard Jesus say, follow me, they were so compelled. They'd never seen this man before. They just dropped their nets and off they went. And really, it's very likely that these men have been listening to Jesus' teaching as part of crowds. 
Jesus was drawing great crowds by now uh, and creating quite a stir. People were talking about him. So it's very likely, um, at the very least, that they have been listening to his teaching as they've been going along. They've also been hearing from John the Baptist, who has been saying the Messiah is coming. So these men, they're unremarkable and they're unreliable. But we know that they've been hearing about Jesus and experiencing something of him when they hear and accept the invitation to follow him. So that's their past. What will their future be like? Their future, follow me, says Jesus. Now, we cannot follow someone who's not going out ahead. So at the very least, we know that Jesus is going before them with this command. Their future following Jesus is also going to be an active one. Jesus is on the move, and he's not going to sit down and get these disciples tooled up to fish for men. They're not going to disciple school for weeks, months, and years. It's just a follow me. We're going to do what we need to on the road. You'll learn as we go. It's a bit like Jesus saying, get on the mat and start trying some cartwheels. And being a disciple of Jesus involves a lifetime of learning. But there's that commitment from Jesus that as we follow, he will be leading. And it's as we follow, hearing God's word and learning from his dealings with us in the mess we mentioned, the mess of our lives, we become people who are trained and prepared to play our part in the kingdom of God. So the message and the team. Jesus doesn't come with a great marketing pack trying to sell us a life with him with a list of perks and benefits. It's a really simple invitation. Follow me. We'll walk the road together. He'll show us. We'll get it wrong. He'll show us again. But it's an invitation to life. Not the perfect life for perfect people, but life in all its fullness. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you came to be amongst the mess. You became flesh. And we thank you for the good news that you offer. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to know it all. We just need to follow you. Would you help us to follow you? Would you help us to respond? It can be so hard to hear you. We're easily distracted. But would you help us to draw near, to know you? We ask that you would help us to respond with our heads and our hearts today, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.